Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 86. Jimmy and Steve here with you today. Uh, day after Roma's nil-nil draw at the Olympico against Bologna, as is the, the usual, I guess, an ex-Roma player makes life difficult for Roma. Lucas Skorupski made a couple key saves yesterday and what ended up being a bit of a, a drab performance. You know, a lot of turnover coming off of a pretty exciting 1-1 against Leicester in the, the midweek last week in the Conference League first leg, Jimmy. So, how you doing today on this Monday? I know it's dreary here in the Northeast. I guess it kind of fits how the match went yesterday. Yeah, I was going to say the energy level that I have after a long day of work recording this podcast, it's pretty similar to the energy level I saw on the pitch yesterday, um, which is kind of a shame because, I mean, yeah, Roma continued their unbeaten streak, but we, we all know from, you know, Roma's recent history that the club can get into ruts of draws and I'm optimistic that this isn't going to become one of those ruts, but seeing yesterday's match, it was like, okay, all the telltale signs were there. You had the goalkeeper, the opposing goalkeeper playing like the, like a reincarnation of uh, Gianluigi Buffon. Um, You had, uh, you know, attacking going nowhere. It was just like, it was a dreary match to watch. And uh, thankfully we've got an exciting match coming up in the midweek, uh, that we can kind of look forward to because, you know, yeah, this Bologna match was not much to write home about. Yeah. Full transparency. I didn't even catch this one. I was telling Jimmy, I was doing some yard work, beautiful spring day in New York yesterday. And if I had taken two hours out of my day in the middle of the day to stop mulching the front yard, my wife probably would have killed me. And, uh, <laughs> I said, you know what? I'll watch it later on tonight. Why not? You know, I could do that. Well, you know, after dinner or something. And then I saw it was a zero zero. And I said, I'm not going to torture my wife with that because she'll probably want to watch something else. And, you know, if it was my, my younger single days, I would have sucked it up and, and done it for, for you guys, the listeners, but Jimmy did that for us since he's, you know, had a little free time on his hands. So Jim, I appreciate you sucking up with the zero zero. Yeah. I mean, 
I already kind of said my piece about some of the more disappointing aspects of the zero zero draw. One thing I do have to say is that it's probably for the best that we did get some rotation in yes. for this match. Um, if I had to choose between winning against Bologna and, you know, someone picking up an injury right before a crucial match or, you know, having a very drab match to watch where, you know, Ainsley Maitland Niles made the pitch. Um, I mean, like I'll, I'll take that. Uh, I'll take, I'll take a rotated draw given what we've been seeing from the other squads fighting for that fifth place spot in particular. I mean, some, you know, shenanigans from Lazio aside, believe whatever. Um, (laughs) Some shenanigans from Lazio aside, things are looking all right for Roma and the table. So if there was a time for Roma to take like a calculated draw, I would argue that this was like the best possible time. So they can, they can go into Leicester kind of full throttle, really hoping to host them in Rome and issue a beat down kind of like they did against Bodo at home. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, go, heading into this one, there was some debate on Twitter. How many players should Mourinho rest? Should he rest players at all? Because maybe we put fifth and even sixth place at risk if we don't win this match and then we crash out of the conference league. And then, you know, we might be stuck in the conference league again because we don't qualify for Europa league either way. But I, I think the rest was needed, like you said, for certain players. You know, losing Henrik Mkhitaryan early second half in the first leg of the semifinal kind of puts things in perspective. We've had a pretty good run of health lately, right, which we haven't been used to too much. I don't know if maybe Mourinho's training tactics are a little bit different than other managers. Maybe we've just had a little more luck this year. But, you know, when he went down, that's, that's going to be a big blow for Thursday, right? And then you had Sergio Oliveira also suspended, so left a little bit of a a gap in the midfield where he usually would have plugged Oliver in. So the starting 11 was Rui Patricio, Ibanez, Cristante, and Mancini in the back, giving Chris Smalling a, um, a rest. You know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles played right wing back, and El Sharari played left wing back. So you rested Karsdorp and Zalewski, who both put a lot of minutes on their legs of late. Uh, center of the pitch was Cristante and Vertu, with Vertu sliding into where Mkhitaryan's been playing. And then it was uh, Afenijan, uh, playing up top with Zaniolo essentially. And then uh, Carlos Perez got a start as one of those attacking midfielders. It was more of a 4-3, 3-4-3 uh, three, three rather than the 3-4-1-2 like we've seen when Pellegrini slots in with uh, Fenejan and, and Perez kind of supporting Zaniolo. So you rested Pellegrini, Abraham, um, you know, McTarn, we said is hurt, Smalling, Karsdorp, Zalewski. So at least five of those guys that are probably clear-cut starters on Thursday get rested for the majority of the match, not the whole match, but a good hour. So I think that is important, Jim, like you said. Yeah, I would hundred percent say that. And I also think that to a certain extent, you got to use these matches when you can to basically just give these bench players a chance to show that they're worthy of mm-hmm. playing in more significant matches too. I mean, man, talk about the only guy who was a sinner in our sinners and saints last t- this time out was uh, Felix Afenagian. He's a guy who needed that match in one way or another to, you know, prove his worth or prove that he needs some, further time incubating either at the Primavera level at the Serie Bay level. And I think that we've basically seen that brace aside, he's probably going to be a longer term project than we anticipated. Um, You do have to wonder with a player of his stature and pace, if part of the reason why he was able to light it up so well at the, like there, there, there's, there's always questions about who succeeds at the Primavera level and part of me is beginning to wonder if his pace was just a cheat code at the primavera level um because he was racking him goals like nobody's business there um i think it would probably do him some good to go play for a small Serie A side for a season uh whether that's 
you know, Sassuolo looks like it's going to have a lot of openings in its, in its forward. Very possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sassuolo is just like a natural jump for me because they're practically, they're not in actuality, but in practice, they're practically almost a junior affiliate to Roma in some, in some respects. Um, even a club, you know, who hasn't been super successful this season, who, but ones that will avoid the jump. I'm trying to think of who might, what might be a good match for him. Uh, well, you know, I guess, you know, like a Sampdoria, Spezia, uh, a club that's going to be avoiding the drop could be a really good match for him. Just, you know, low expectations in terms of match to match wins, but rack up the minutes and, you know, put in like a Lorenzo Pellegrini style, you know, maybe they buy him for X million, but we get the buyback and we know we'll probably use it if he's any good. Um, That was my biggest takeaway, honestly, from the Bologna match that, you know, I think we've got a lot longer to wait for Afenagian than we really hoped we might have. Um, on the flip side of that, I do also have to add that, you know, if this is a mediocre match from Nikolas Levski, we are doing great. Like, like, I don't think anyone had an excellent match this time out. Um, like, we ended 0-0 against a side that is not in the relegation zone, but on the, in the bottom half of the table, like mid table, mid mid table, like 13, 13. And and they're, they're a tough team to play against. We lost them one, nothing the first time in a midweek match. I remember, Uh, I think, I think it might've been shooting who had the goal. And then they just, they they just beat Inter. They might've crushed Inter Scudetto dreams two one on the midweek. So they're, they're a pain in the ass to play against. They're not easy. They have their like really good matches and they have their really crappy matches. Cause I've seen them a few times this year and, they're yeah, hard maybe I've been watching sometimes. more of their crappy matches than their good ones because, like, I've just seen a lot of those, and it's been like, oh wow, we can't. Like, I was surprised when Inter beat lost to them because it's like, oh wow, really? Yeah. And then when we drew to them, I mean, like, it was disappointing to say the least. But yeah, I mean, my main attitude, especially towards the end of the season, which I can't believe that we're getting close to it, but we are near the tail end of the season. This is the time when you give players who are kind of on the fringes the chance to play. It's when yep. you hopefully try to play some younger guys uh though you know Mourinho despite his reputation has been so good at playing younger guys throughout the season that I would be surprised if we saw more than the usual suspects heading into the end of the season just like who else would you bring in um but yeah I mean I wish it had gone better but you know at the same time you gotta you got to give some of these bench players a chance to play every now and then on the off chance that one of them can become a great rotation piece. Like how did Marash Kumbula become a great rotation piece again by playing these kinds of matches and showing that he had the ability to be back at a stereo level. So you got to do this every now and then, even if it results in a draw. Yeah. And I, I you bring up a great point with uh, a finish on, you know, there was actually one of our Twitter questions from Yasser El Shimi who asked questions every week. He asked, why is, Felix playing in the first team. That's it. That's the question he asked. And I think you brought up some great points. And uh, Costabo Harry Haran, he asked about who should be loaned out at the end of the season. And I told him we'd probably tackle that more in depth in another episode at the end of the season. But yeah. there's, our, there's our answer. There's one guy who probably can use a loan. And it's no fault of his own. He's 19 years old. He came from yeah. Ghana like a year and a half ago playing high school soccer there. Imagine just plucking a kid out of American high school soccer and putting him into the first team in Italy, right? You, you take a guy yeah. like... Uh, Brian Reynolds, who was playing MLS level and had a hard time transitioning. So this is a kid. Yeah. Who, and I mean, yeah, just, to, just to ahead. add in his defense, I, I would also say that there's a huge difference. Like we've seen, there's a night and day difference between being a player, his age and succeeding at a small club versus succeeding at a big club 
in Italy in particular. And I, I'm definitely biased because I watch Serie A matches more often than any other league in Europe or elsewhere. Uh, but I would say that I think that it's a lot harder for young kids to explode on the scene, partially because managers are hesitant to play them, but also because of how tactically sound most of the defenses in the league are. Yeah. Like you can never have as many just like, holy crap, where did that guy come from moments with teenagers when they're going against defenders who know that their number one job is to get that point, right? You're not going to be able to get as many wonder goals from 18-year-olds if you're playing against such solid defenses week in, week out. And you do have to wonder if for those first few matches when Afenagian was looking so great, if it was just like the coaches didn't have like the opposition report on him just yet. You know what they, you know, they say that like with, with a rookie, yeah. once they figure out a rookie and which is he effectively is, so we don't really call them rookies in soccer um, in football. Sorry, everyone in Europe. Um, <laughs> uh, but like with, with a rookie type player, sometimes they get like really hot at the beginning of their yeah. time because no one knows what their style of play is. No one knows what to expect from them. He kind of looks like a guy who has the ability to succeed at a top flight level but needs to move past the phase where it's like, oh, he's able to score because no one knows what to expect. Like people know what to expect now. And the next step for him is to move beyond that. And so, yeah, I would definitely put him at like kind of the top level of most likely to be loaned. Um, I don't, I mean, out of all the other young players, I don't really think that there are too many else who are obvious loan candidates. There have been some rumblings about uh, Christian Volpato who has looked, looked quite good uh, when he played at, you know, the top flight level for us so far this season. It's just that he hasn't had as many chances because our forward line is pretty stacked at the moment. Um, or that, I guess he's more of an attacking midfielder. And even then, like, think you got Pellegrini, you got Mkhitaryan, you got Zaniolo, all who can play in that role. You don't really need Volpato to come in. Um, but yeah, I would probably say Volpato and Afenagian are the most likely to be sent out on loan. And it's probably for the best for both of them. Yeah, and one thing I, I'm glad you brought up was Zalewski when you were talking about Afenijan early. It just shows the difference between a, a kid who really entered Roma's youth setup. I think he was around yeah. nine years old. I think Renew commented the other day versus a yeah. kid who just got here, right? He's, he grew up in Italy to Polish parents, came into Roma's academy early. He didn't have to learn the language. He's been playing in the setup for a long time, kind of progressing through the ranks until he got to Serie A. And it just shows like he's a little more seasoned, even though he's still a youngster, right? And then the and other, he just knows he knows how to play against Italian defenses. I think that's yes. a huge amount of it, right? Yeah, yeah there's like a lot he's been of doing that since there. he was nine. Yeah, and these guys are probably playing against guys that he was playing against when he was in you know the youth levels, and so it's just like oh, it's the same stuff, just you know a bit harder because it's obviously you know Serie A instead of Primavera. Yeah, um, and just a quick comment on the Primavera. They, I believe, will clinch a spot in the semifinals of the Primavera. They have a playoff at the end, so they're looking pretty good. I think one more one more win, so good on them. They're doing well. I saw the under 18s are doing well. So it just shows that Roma's producing these players. Right. And um, yeah. just while we're on Felix, I don't want to make it a whole Felix generated episode, but Felix got the start over elder Shamordov again. Right. So this to me says even less about why is Felix playing? Maybe it's more of an indictment on why is Eldor not playing? Right. I mean, this guy's not even getting starts in matches like this, where you're resting Tammy and Pellegrini. I'm at the acceptance phase with Eldor Shmuradov. I've gone through all five stages of grief. I'm at acceptance. He was a, a misfire in terms of a transfer. I think that's safe to say at this point. The fact that he's behind Felix in the depth chart still kind of indicates that. I would just add that 
considering how many terrible misfires even you know everyone's favorite former DS Walter Sabatini had in his day in Rome I'm not too annoyed with the summer transfer market last summer even with the Shemurdov whiff like to me that was still a great transfer market you're well, never yeah. going when to you get... add, when you add Tammy and and Rui who's been solid I mean you could accept and a, you a keep miss, right? Mkhitaryan around yes. and you you do a lot of good work keeping people around which is half yeah. the work I mean like Sabatini was great at bringing in young players and bringing in guys who could just explode don't and get me flip wrong flip them though but then he flipped them a season yeah. later and say what you will about you know what we've done so far as a club like I'm not thrilled that we're in sixth based off of differential right now but We've kept around a lot, a lot of the exciting players that we've been developing, which is kind of a first for Roma. And that seems to be something that the Freakins actually care about. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm happy with the vast majority of the players that we signed. And kind of to add to that, I'm, I, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty ecstatic with the level of opportunities that young players have gotten uh, in the first team. Part of that definitely comes down to Mourinho just flat out saying, look, I don't have the depth right now to do what I yeah. want. So I'm going to have to bring in these Primavera guys. But apparently he's already told, um, oh, shoot, he, Eduardo Bove, that Bove is going to be a part of the midfield rotation next year. Like he's like, and that, I mean, it makes sense if they're looking to sell Vertu that, you know, that's a, you need more bodies in the midfield at the very least. And I've, I've liked what I've seen from Bove so far. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would just say that, Shamuradov was a whiff. He was a miss. No GM or director of sport gets them all. And I'm okay with having one whiff like that on, on an attacker who was meant for like the Jaco era um, Roma more than an Abraham era Roma to begin with. Like I'm, I'm fine with that, all things considered. Yeah, it was always a head scratcher. It's just the price tag really made you scratch your head more. And, and it's turning out, unfortunately, that our, our initial takes, especially Bren, he was very passionate about it early on, are, are right. And it, it happens, you're right. But um, on a side note, though, I would also just say, especially for like small club, big club transfers inside Italy, I don't trust those transfer fees as far as I can throw them. They're, they're, they're like, we, I know that the big, that like Inter, Juventus, and Milan recently got acquitted of, you know, not of financial trickery with some of their transfers. There, there has to be some. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Yeah, going on with some of these transfers. I wouldn't be shocked. That's all I'll just say. I wouldn't be shocked if that price got inflated with, you know, kind of like a okay, Bologna, your next kid that we really like, we get first dibs, something like that. Like at the at a minimum, that seems likely to me. Or just you know, trying to make an agent happy, whoever his agent is. Yeah. We'll see. And who knows, Genoa might be unloading some players this summer, maybe at a cut rate as they get sent down to City B, which is looking very very likely right now so we'll yeah. see you're right sometimes there is that little bit of we'll give you a little more here for a little bit later on a little maybe uh first dibs on a player so we'll see um you know another player who came up was uh Nicolas Zaniolo who comes up again Piyush on Twitter asked what would you guys do with Zaniolo would you swap him for Berardi or Raspadori if given a chance uh no. or do you guys think <laughs> Jose is handling him well by keeping patience and giving him chances so I'm guessing this is in reference to the fact he pretty much played as the striker yesterday, right? And I, I said, I didn't watch the match, but when I look at the numbers, six shot creating actions, five shots, two on target. I know he had one in the highlights that I saw that was was a pretty good shot that the goalie made a good save on. I mean, I understand he's not scoring goals right now, and I don't want to go too much into him because we've talked about him a lot, but 
my, my short answer is no, I wouldn't swap him for either player. I like Raspadori a lot as a player, but not as a swap deal. I think Zaniolo has a much higher ceiling still. Um, I know there's people that have given up on him and Berardi is almost 30 at, at Berardi prime players, very good player, but you don't, you don't give up on a player like Zaniolo at 22 years old. In my opinion, the, the talent level is still too high. Yeah, you don't. I mean, Berardi, I would just like, if, if Sassuolo came to us and said, Hey, Berardi plus 20 million for Zaniolo, I'd, I would hope that Tiago Pinto would laugh at them, to be honest with you. Like, Berardi is a good starting quality player for a club like Sassuolo and probably a good rotation option for a club with Roma's aspirations. Raspadori is a different situation because you're right. He's a lot younger. He is very promising. But I would still say that I don't see him reaching the heights that I think Zaniolo can reach. And... I also don't really get where he would fit in the lineup. I feel like Raspadori, yeah. like I don't know how Raspadori and Abraham would work well together. And they're both at, although they're different ages, Raspadori and Abraham are at different, are at the points in their career where they really need runtime almost as much as anything. Like I they just need time. I see them working together because Skamaka kind of plays the Abraham role for Sassuolo, where I think the issue is this Pellegrini plays through the middle, whereas in Sassuolo, yeah. Berardi plays out wide. Yeah. I mean, Pellegrini has shown an ability to be adaptable over the course of his career. So I wouldn't be super worried about that. At the same time, I just, I just don't see the appeal of bringing in Raspadori because every young player is going to have peaks and valleys of their form unless they're worth like 200 million euros. And even those guys do, like nobody wants to say it, but like, Mbappe has moments where it's not like he's just he's not banging in two goals a game like neither is Holland like they're great players don't get me wrong but like young players in particular are working out their form and I think that a lot more patience needs to be exercised with Zaniolo period I've been banging that gong for a while now yeah uh but yeah I mean I don't see any need to sell him this summer I hope that they give at, at the very least give him an extension that improves Roma's bargaining ability in the future if we do want to sell him. Uh, but I would also just add that you got to wait at least like halfway into next season yeah, to see how he's doing post-injury. Yeah, I said on a recent episode, I don't know if it was last week when it was uh, just Brandon and I, or, or was it one before that when you were on too, but I'm not judging him fully until he's at least 12 months fully removed and back to training and playing yeah. from, from that second knee injury. I'm not, It's it's not... It's, it's not a fair judgment to me until he does. Because, yes, people will say Bodo, you know, the Lazio people and some of these others will say, oh, it's, you know, Norwegian fisherman. He scored a hat trick against Norwegian fisherman just to buzz balls. But you saw the explosiveness. He still has the physical traits. The attributes are still there. I think the vision will come. The, the awareness will come. It may never be at the same level as a Pellegrini type player or, or a Totti or something because not everybody has that kind of vision and, and uh, awareness of the, the game. But... I think the physical attributes, too much talent to give up on yet. Too next much. time some, next time someone brings up Zaniolo, who's a Lazio fan, just remind them that there is nowhere <laughs> inside the city of Rome where Lazio actually has a majority support. There's no one, there's not even a block radius yeah. <laughs> where, Roma, where Roma is beat. It's like, it makes like the difference between the New York Knicks level of fandom in the NBA and the New York Nets and the Brooklyn Nets look like a joke. Like the Roma, Roma has won the bat, that battle and like they can, they can make fun about Zaniolo all they want. But when was the last time Lazio had like a real superstar? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the closest you could say is like SMS right now, but he's not really a superstar on the level of some of these other like a Toti type player, right? I mean, that's like... And just in terms of name brand, Lazio does not have name brand people ever. I cannot remember the last time Lazio had a name brand guy. So yeah, keep keep living your great value brand life, Laziale, and uh, we'll we'll keep we'll keep living <laughs> we'll we'll keep living ours. <laughs> yeah. So the last question, Jim, that's Bologna match match related, uh, came from where to go? Uh, Nick on Twitter. I said we are tenth in the league when it comes to the amount of goals we scored at home. What do we have to do to solve this problem? I I, I don't know. I mean. I think the the scoring has been better in the second half of the season. Maybe it's a bit of bad luck at home. Sometimes Skrutsky played well yesterday, maybe took a goal away from Roma. I mean, I guess, you know, it's hard to just compare home away. And then some teams are just better. Look at Atalanta at home. Atalanta is terrible at home. They drew Salernitana today, almost lost a to tie in the 88th minute. So, uh, you know, I, I think the Olympicos is an advantage still, even if the goal scoring hasn't been the best in the league. Yeah, so I mean, expected goals for the Bologna match was basically just one v one each, basically. Yeah, yeah, one each. So I mean, a zero zero draw was boring to watch, but it also seemed like a draw was kind of the expected outcome for that match. I would just say that it's a lot harder to be top in attack period when you're really trying to rehab one of your top attacking players. Um, again, I I hate to be saying wait and see wait and see wait and see but a lot of it is just like wait like take take a breather things are going well for this season if we win silverware this season with Zaniolo rehabbing I'll be thrilled um yeah I I would just say before hitting the panic button on the attack in particular wait until Zaniolo is a calendar year out and I think one other thing too I just thought of that I, I think somebody else brought this up a while ago is when you're at home teams play you different teams are more willing to sit back and defend you when you're the home team. And on the road, Roma likes to play that counterattack, which is where we make, we do a lot of damage. So it's a little harder to counter at home because you tend to be the team that dictates possession at home a lot more. I feel like, especially against the smaller clubs and they'll pack the box and try to play you for that nil nil or one, one draw at the time too, which could uh, possibly attribute to that too. Because if you look at the home standing, so I'm looking at the home win loss record. I just pulled up quick. Cause that made, got me thinking like, is it affecting our, you know, point totals? Roma's actually tied for third for best home record with 35 points. Uh, tied mm-hmm. with Fiorentina. Milan is on 37 at home. Inter on 39 at home. So if we were just going on home games, we're a Champions League team, right? It's on the road where Roma, even though they score a little bit more, they've only got 24 points on the road. Seven losses on the road versus yeah. just three at home. So I think uh, yeah. I'm not, it doesn't worry me is what I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I, I'm just not in a general worrying mood with Roma at the moment, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, I think I, I'm satisfied with where we are right now in the season as like the first year of a project. I hope I think that my mood could change a whole lot if we don't win against Leicester. Thursday could but, change a lot, right? One way or yeah, another. Thursday could change a whole lot. But like if we end up getting like fifth place and winning UCL, I'll be I'll be satisfied with the season. Yeah. So t- speaking of Thursday, let's move on to Thursday, Jim. Leicester City, English opponent, not their best season, you know, 10th in the I think in the Premier League table right now, but still a quality opponent. Went to Leicester to the to the King Power Stadium, got a one one draw with a fifteenth minute goal from Pellegrini, I believe it was off the top of my head. Fifteenth minute, pretty yeah. early, mm-hmm. nice play on the counterattack. Your boy Zalewski made a made a great play. He's gonna be your boy for forever now, Jim, because you were the one that really would, would brought him from I know. early in the I season. Know. So 
I credit you there I'm because speaking you know, it in, I'm, I'm speaking it into existence. You, man. you kept bringing up his name when he wasn't really playing. You kept bringing it up. And I was like, oh, I don't know. He's like a primavera kid. And, <laughs> and it turns out he's pretty damn good. Even my buddy, who's uh, he's a Lazio fan, but he's obviously an Italy fan. He's like, man, I wish this kid chose Italy over Poland because he's, he's got game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I buy that. Beautiful play to set up Pellegrini. Good finish through the keeper's legs. And then Roma really played Mourinho Bowl as uh, people defined it. You know, I was talking to a buddy who watches a lot of Premier League. He's like, that's Mourinho Bowl. You're going to try to defend that lead for 75 minutes. In the end, a Mancini own goal is how they tied it. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit of a tough clearance, and uh, he got a bit unlucky, and the ball went in, and Roma finished 1-1. So yeah, how, how'd you feel about Roma's approach in the first leg? Defend like hell, try to counter, and then try to get, get the hell out of there with one nothing. I think that's kind of how you got to do it against a Premier League side that is used to if you give them enough space in the yeah. defense, they will, they will kill you for it. Um, and I think that's just true for most premier league sides and the advantage that Serie A sides have against British sides is that they really can have defensive integrity in a way that just does not exist in the premier league. And yeah, I, I think that I'm relatively satisfied with getting a one, one um, from the away leg of this one. I yeah. think that the way that, the Stadio Olimpico has become a fortress, um, if not by results, then by just sheer crowd size, week in, week out, indicates to me that Thursday's match will be box office in terms of how many people show up. And yeah. if, yeah. I was just right? going to say, mean, like, like yeah. that was the only way Marino was ever going to approach that match, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially, I and, and I was happy with it because I think about the semifinal to, to Liverpool and the semifinal last year against United, and Roma went to England both matches and got completely run off the pitch, right? And made the yeah. second leg a moot point almost. And they almost pulled off a miracle against Liverpool's uh, getting within one in that second leg. I don't know how, right? Yeah. But coming back 1-1 at least gives you the home field advantage, like you said, in a packed Olympico, sold yeah. out. Now Roma can play there a little more aggressive, I think. I, and, and we had a couple questions asking about how the approach of this game tactically would go from Francesco 10, you know, should they play defensive again and try to hit on the counter or try to dominate the game? He said, personally, he thinks we should go out guns a blazing. And I, I agree. I think it has to be a controlled guns a blazing, but I want to be more aggressive. Take your chances. Yeah. If you can get the goal, don't completely pack it in. Cause you don't want to have the same thing happen again. Right. But I, I yeah. don't think they come out completely sit back, you know, nine behind the ball and then try to counter with just one player. I think they got to be a little more aggressive at home. Yeah, I agree. I think that, they need to play with passion and, you know, positive momentum. I don't think that parking the bus from minute one is going to get the result you want. At the same time, I don't think like a Zema, like a Zeman Landia throwback is going to be what you want either. I think. No, that, no, God, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, PTSD you, from you, that. <laughs> yeah. You need to make sure that you are still projecting a solid defense mm-hmm. ahead of create a creative um, attacking play. And I see the potential for that. I mean, one of the things that I like about the tactic that we've been seeing from Roma, albeit, you know, I don't think this is the final form of what Mourinho's Roma tactic will look like. I really like the wingback play. Yeah. Um, I was, I'm honestly a little surprised that we've been able to make it work without Spinazzola and with Vigna kind of looking underwhelming. But I mean, the fact that Zalewski has been able to, you know, make it happen on the left has enabled this wingback play to be really engaging, to be creating a lot of assists. Um, from Karsdorp, who didn't have the best game against Leicester, but, you know, average, and Zalewski. So, I mean, like, I'm I'm confident that if Roma 
plays the style of football that they normally play against bigger sides that they can get a positive result on Thursday. I, th- I think that will happen. I agree. And and the other thing that um, was asked by both Francesco Tenet and Ace Roma Fan six, 6 is basically how do we approach the second leg without Mkhitaryan? Do we drop Pellegrini and play him as more the hybrid midfielder, or keep everything the same, and maybe flip a coin between Oliver and Vertu? He says as his replacement. Um, you know, I'm Francesco, not flipping a coin. Not flipping a coin. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just telling asked, Vertu enjoy the pun. Yeah. I mean, I'm so, I'm I'm so done with him. I'm yeah. just so dumb. Done yeah, I him. don't think there's a coin flip. I I think it's Oliveira, right? I think Oliveira yeah. is the the replacement. I think Pellegrini stays in the same attacking midfield role that he excels at. Um, yeah. And you just hope that Oliveira isn't too slow in that role that was one thing brandon and i talked about a little bit last week is he is kind of lead-footed at times which could be yeah. an issue hopefully cristante yeah. will be able to balance it a little bit more um mm-hmm. and and we go yeah, from there you don't know vertu please i'm, I'm yeah. done with seeing him play meaningful I, yeah. matches i think vertu if he comes in it's an option as an attacking option in the midfield if we need a goal late if maybe we're yeah. down or if it's getting into stoppage time and we want to try to get that winner before penalties um yeah. You know, Francesco also asked, what do we see as a starting 11? I see the same pretty much starting 11 that's been playing well. You're just subbing yeah. out Mkhitaryan for Oliveira at this point, I think. 100% agree. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think that there's a lot to like about the way that the attacking play has been going recently. And I think a lot of that is on Mkhitaryan, so it'll be a shame that he's not yes. playing. He's going to be a big uh, miss, that's for sure. Yeah. At the same time, though, I have faith in kind of the overall structure of the side that it's not it hasn't just been the Mkhitaryan show which is good he's been very good but it's not just like everything depending on him I trust Pellegrini to get the job done he looked great in that first leg against Leicester if you ask me Mm -hmm. um and I think that you know whether it's an Abraham goal or a Zaniolo goal or hey maybe even a Zalewski goal something will probably happen I, I I do not foresee a Thursday knock on wood where Roma is goalless at the end. I think no, that there's enough I, I, I attacking creativity happens, yeah. and their defense just isn't as frightening to me as even, you know, most Serie A sides. I think a goal is going to happen at the very yeah. least. I, I don't see a 0-0. We go to extra time 1-1. Francesco 10 brought up the possibility of going to extra time and maybe that's why saving a Vera too early Vera, but you, I don't think you save anybody. Whoever Mourinho feels is his best 11 is going to play. One thing yeah. I would keep an eye on, you know, I know the bench is a, is a little thin, but a wild card off the bench could be Leonardo Spinazzola. From what I read on Il Romanista, they thought he might have made an appearance off the bench in this past match. Maybe if you get to extra time or you get to the 80th minute and it's still level, maybe he's good for 30 minutes. You know, you might throw that yeah. wild card in there and really throw I get a, a worried about that. plans. I get worried about doing things like that. Just like yeah. throwing a guy into the, the most important match of the season after being off for the entire season. It wouldn't be uh, ideal. I, I get worried about doing things like that because, you know, Spencer seems to have a mentality of steel, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. He's a guy who keeps on trying to come back. Uh, and, you know, when the going gets tough, he really seems to, you know, get going. Uh, but I would not want to see him play his first minutes against Leicester yeah. in a semifinal with huge implications for the club. I that just That's just my – maybe that's too playing it safe, but that's just how I feel about it. And I think the other guy to keep an eye on off the bench, if Roman needs a goal late, either to win it or to, to level it, I think would be El Shirari. I think he is the, yeah. the, the guy to keep an eye on who kind of can and be he's cool the extra time expert this yeah. season. Yeah. yeah. So, Jim, last question comes from Jose's Roman Adventure on the message wars. And he says, 
this ECL tie may well go down to penalties. Not many penalty kick takers in the squad. One of them, Mkhitaryan, is out injured. Who takes them? Well, I think we can say Pellegrini definitely is if he's in the match, right? Abraham, yep. those two are definite, right? Yep. I think if you get into a situation where penalties are possible, I think Vertu is probably in the match. Because I would say so. For the most part, he's been pretty money there. So that leaves you with, with two guys left, right? Is El Shirari in the match, maybe? Do, does Zaniolo take one? I, I, I could see Zaniolo stepping up and being the hero, could, but also... I was going to say Zaniolo right? and Oliveira. I could see Zaniolo yeah. and Oliveira being the next two. That yeah. would be my bet. I, I just... I mean, I, you know who else too? Maybe Cristante. He seems like he's got a, a head on his shoulder that he wouldn't get overwhelmed by the moment. Yeah. Yeah. He is like a coach's dream. And, and the, the players who are like, they usually have the right mentality for the penalties and things like that. Yeah. I hope we don't have to come down to that. I, I like, I don't think Carlos <laughs> really shoots. That, that's not how I don't goes. think like Zalewski shoots probably. Although Zalewski is an attacking player. You never know with Jose. He, and we don't we're not in training so we don't know don't who's wanna, great at these wanna, things right yeah. i don't want a 19 year old doing it though man that would bump, that I, our 20s i guess he's 20 now that would be just like just keep in mind that 06 06 world cup who's one of the five players that stepped up at like 22 years old right De Rossi, youngest player on the team so right. sometimes these young so, guys they don't know the difference in, in a way right yeah um point. but i'm hoping we don't get the penalties i'm gonna leave it there i don't yeah I, I hope it doesn't happen that way i don't yeah. think it does if i if I, I had to make a bet i would say like a 2-1 Roma win that, that's that, my prediction that would be ideal keep us out of extra time keep us out of penalties and we will be going to albania for the final um yeah the end of may that would lovely, be ideal. lovely albania yeah <laughs> never would have thought we'd be saying that for a final right but that's the conference league no offense yeah. to albania it's nothing against the country just like usually expect like a berlin you, or love you Max london <laughs> uh homecoming for him right uh yeah. or his family at least so I'm not making a prediction, Jim. I'm sure you're not making a prediction. Not before a match like this. All right. I said 2-1. I said 2-1. I'll stick by it. I'm I'm zipping my lips because my predictions have not been good this year. But we thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Hopefully our next episode will be recording after a victory over Leicester City heading to the Conference League Finals. Maybe also a victory against Fiorentina that kind of locks up a Europa League spot for for all intents and purposes. And Mm -hmm. uh, we we move from there. So, Jim, anything you want to leave the listeners with before we go? Forza Roma. Thanks again for listening, guys. 